Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, welcome back to Conspiranormal. And we are continuing a tradition that we have done, I think, since time immemorial now, is that we always finish off the year. The last guest of the year for the last, I don't even know how many years since we've been doing this, has always been Dr. Future. And guess what? That has not changed because Dr. Future is back with us to tell us where we will be living the rest of our lives, which is the future. So <laughs> I think I've heard that one before. I think, I think you might have. Yeah. To, to paraphrase the great Criswell. Uh-huh. Uh, but welcome back to Conspiracy Normal, Doctor Future. It's been uh, it's 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 great to have you back. It's been so long. I don't know if I even recognize the two of you. Yeah, the uh, dim I, memory. I, I know, I know. It's it's not like I haven't seen you probably on a semi regular basis. <laughs> of course, when you get to me, my age, just figuring out what you had for dinner that night is sort of a dim memory. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's all fading up. really fast. We got to catch up a little bit at uh, Strange Realities. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was a blockbuster. I mean, you were even willing to talk to the little people like me oh, yeah. during the show and with all the celebrities there. Well, we had to get you past the security and the green room and everything, you know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I did see Paris Hilton there. He, he Dr. <laughs> Future almost got beat up by the bouncers uh, in the front of SIR. We, we, we intervened just in time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Before, the, I felt before like there the, was a huge seed. I felt like the yippies at the 68 Democratic Convention. Like you were in the line at Studio 54 back in the yeah. day, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Or Dan Rather on the floor of the 68 Convention when the yeah. muscle came in. <laughs> Some of Daly's men showed up at Conspira Normal. Well, this is one thing that we like to do every year guys if you've listened to the show uh we talk about the year that has gone by and we get also some predictions from dr future about what might happen in 2020 in the next year which of course is 2024 and these are always kind of fun to go back and listen to and so that's what we're going to do i mean we're just going to talk about some of the things that have happened and get Dr. Future's thoughts on them. Uh, but one thing that uh, I have been doing this year with Dr. Future has been 
doing his radio show on WRFN, Radio Free Nashville, here in Nashville. So, Dr. Fees, you want to tell everybody kind of a little bit about that and kind of how that got started? Sure. Up, up um, again? It, it's funny that you refer to me as Dr. Future, and I see that on the list right here. You know, I'm afraid if I become a centurion and I, my old bit is in the New York Times, it's just going to have Dr. Future on the top of it. I, I think that's been submitted, per, you know, pr- purposely. I don't know if anybody would know who I am otherwise. But regardless, uh, 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 the radio show was, um, well, I, I guess when the opportunity opened, in the back of my mind, I had thought, might it be a time to revisit, you know, doing the audio version of the kind of things I'm doing? But really, I quit Future Quake because I couldn't write full time as inefficient as I am and produce a show with the amount of research that I thought was warranted. Um, what I thought was if I do a show where I'm a little bit more savvy in the material prep that I do, maybe I can. Um, I also found that aside from shows with great guys like you all and a few others, there weren't, nearly as many venues for me to talk once the kind of material in my last book came out um for every door that i opened there was probably 20 that closed with with the kind of material i had and it was a shock to my system so it was really hard to get the word out about what my research was going elsewhere and so i had thought about you know is there a way that i could practically still do my writing and have a presence on air and just about that time, we had, I guess, had like some Thanksgiving or Christmas meal or something at, at the, was that that Rose, Dusty Rose or whatever it is over there in East Nashville, the Rose Pepper mm-hmm. um, at Cantina. And, and we were, Mrs. Bennett and I were meeting with the uh, woman, Jenny Welsh, that runs the uh, Radio Free Nashville and her brother. And just out of the blue, she said, uh, would you like to come back on the air? So I didn't know if that was a sign, maybe, that I should. It was sort of sudden. That was like at the end of 2022. And uh, I asked her about the times they had, and it turned out a drive time slot was available. And so I said, you know, I'd like to try that. Last time I was on it in the evening. And what I wondered was, if anybody, if they still listen to real fm radio if maybe they would be stuck in downtown traffic during rush hour and maybe just bored and scanning the dial and might happen upon the show and so you know it's like i heard uh orson wells once say in an interview a 1960 interview you know they were asking him if he felt bad for all of his you know genre-breaking work like Citizen Kane and how he revolutionized cinema and all his works, and he got so little recognition from the Academy of Arts and Sciences, and if he regretted all that. And he said, says, you know, he says, I've always been much more interested in experiment over accomplishment. And when I heard him say that, I sort of really thought about that for a while, and because uh, he's, you know, I think he's probably the most interesting man of the last 500 years, probably going back to Da Vinci. And I thought, you know, I can relate to that. 
I, I, I have found in hindsight of my life that I have always gravitated, whether I wanted to or not, to seeing what if the experiment over taking the, the worn out path that everybody else has taken to, you know, somehow have success or accomplishment or whatever. And so I guess in concert with that, I said, you know, let's give it a try. And so I took the moniker of my blog at the time, which was the Two Spies Report, and that became the the name of the new show. Uh, it was on every Thursday at five o'clock. Started right at the beginning of January this year, twenty twenty three, and I just uploaded show forty seven that will be airing uh, this Thursday, I guess, or th- no, excuse me, forty six be airing this uh, Thursday at five over 103.7 FM and 107.1. And uh, I found I bit off more than I could chew. Doing one hour of all the research and everything else has really just kept me overwhelmed this year. And normal people, it would not. Normal people would be a big, but there's been a lot of domestic stuff going on here that we're sort of overhauling our long range planning. And my wife took a new job totally changed all of our financial planning for the future and sort of our strategy. And um, I've had a lot of distractions like that. That's boring stuff. So I was having to deal with some time intensive things and try to do the research on this show. Um, I will say I'm proud of the material in the show. Uh, Talking about experiments, we tried to do a once a month live in the studio yeah. And that turned to be, I won't say fiasco, but some of the most difficult, just simply just trying to get the the hardware to work and cooperate. And so um, I felt much better, you know, producing them at home with the rudimentary equipment I've had. And I will tell the audience that uh, what I wanted to do all along so that I could retain some audience that would find me really boring was to try to invite you, Adam, on the show once a month where we could just focus on contemporary storylines and not what basically evolved into a series, you know, lectures that I was doing uh, on the show otherwise. And uh, in fact, one of those shows back in about end of July, I guess, sort of dictated what I've been covering for about at least half yeah. of the show every week for the next four or five months. We, you know, yeah. you, you rolled this grenade under the tent with a story and then I have to go back and like, oh, I got to look at that, see what that is. And then I, of course I got obsessed over it. Well, so that's what I've been focusing on the time, but the, but the show itself, I have no idea. It's like my books. You know, there's 700 and something copies people have bought that are circulating. I've sent out other ones myself that never get acknowledged. Don't ever really hear from anybody, you know, for all the work. And, and, and you know, the, the kind of like this last book I did, it's a polarizing book. I mean, nobody's going to look at it and say, eh, whatever. They're either going to love it or hate it. Don't hear much of anything. Radio show, same way. You know, I don't know if you get a lot of people responding on your show. I mean, you, you've been an institution for, what, 13 well, years or something like that. Well, uh, here's the thing. I mean, I think 700, 700 copies of a self-published book, I think, is, is, is pretty decent. I'll say that's a win. And the thing is, it's just like you're doing the local. I wouldn't feel too bad about people not reaching out because 
I think we probably hear from probably, I would almost say 10% of our audience. If that. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, pretty there's, good. there's a lot, there's a lot of people that, because I can look at my download stats and I can see yeah. we like, we'll usually hear mostly from the same few people. And that's not bad. That's not a bad thing, but just like, there's always like just the silent majority out there that never really reach out or, yeah. you know, we had a, a guest on the show that, um, re- this year that actually has been listening for a very long time, but I, had never reached out until this year. Yeah. So you, you, you just think, never know who's actually listening. And actually do you think for the bulk of those people though, that a week la- for all the hard work, cause I know you all do ton of hard work, both of you research and stuff. Do you think for the most of those people a week later, they even remember that much of what was talked about? I mean, well, I think that would just, I think that would depend on the person. Well, I'm just talking about it in n- numbers like, uh, you know, if you talk about the kind of stuff that I would think would stir things in people. Okay. Good or bad. And so that would be what they'd be inclined to contact you about, or at least try to encourage you and say, keep doing the show. I'm enjoying it. But for the we overwhelming mass of people who you don't hear from, do you think I, you know, I'm just saying, I'm trying to sort of figure out the heads yeah. of our greater culture. Is it something where like a week later it sticks with them and they're still chewing on it? Are we in a culture right now where the majority of people, it just comes in and it's like headlines that you flip past on the phone and they, and it's regardless of whether it's a really good show or not a good show or whatever, it's just the way the brains are wired now. I think that some stuff will stick with people. And like Adam said, it depends on who, uh, I think some guests we have on our show definitely cause people to look further and, you know, check out the guest book or yeah. the subject in more detail. But also the message of the medium, even though we're podcasts and you're still terrestrial radio, yeah. is essentially the same. And like you said, you're on a drive time show. And the uh, I think a lot of times this stuff can be background, not meaning that people aren't paying attention, yeah. but they're engaged in something else. They have a conversation uh, that they want to listen to that's going on, uh, a conversation or a lecture, and uh, it's while they're doing the dishes or while they're taking a drive or Uh something like that. We've talked about the same kind of thing. We've talked about uh, why, why people are attracted to stuff that's, you know, more, more sensational or less, uh, has less discernment. And a lot of times I think people just want uh, something spooky in the background. Yeah. And that applies to the political, parapolitical, conspiracy stuff, whatever you want to call it as well. I think but it gives them that in- same campfire yeah. feeling. They want entertainment. Yeah. The emphasis is not on education. Well, it's the edutainment. It's on entertainment. It's edutainment. It's some kind of some kind of thing in between. People want to be stimulated, but uh, I think like anything else, there's a segmentation to these listenerships. Yeah, I mean, at least I try. You can see I got my big tall glass of adrenochrome. <laughs> yeah, that I I try to load up on the adrenochrome before this show so I can be at tip top performance. I've, I've just got my Rainier beer here. Oh, is that okay? That's that local. Well, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll so, stick with my adrenochrome here. But I was just curious about um, what you all thought about. You know what? we're actually almost performing a psyop on the public in that we're putting information out and observing 
how you know when you when we shock the monkey what does the monkey do you know yeah. well, with those terrestrial public. signals that you're sending out there too have you calculated the the speed of those radio waves and where they might be uh hitting by now have you got to well i think the future quake show just passed pioneer 10 so okay. i'm excited before they see those golden <laughs> records with the bodies yeah, get that. <laughs> people will hear about nephilim or or david rockefeller before they see those and that'll be their first impression of okay that's almost sapiens so the first thing that i wanted to get into tonight is an outgrowth of doing the radio show with you and in i think in july june or july sometime around that time i came up with a story that i actually think that i read on this show as well that we talked a little bit about it was not an original on the two spies report you're saying well, I, got I think one i talked of the about leftovers. it on, i think i talked about it on two spies report first and oh well, then that's fine then okay so uh, this was uh well one of the one of the events of this last year which now it has kind of just faded into the background uh was this film that came out in the middle of the summer called sound of freedom and uh this of course was like the 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 uh film about child child trafficking and uh became kind of like a sleeper hit of, of the summer and i came up with this article that where all these people have been complaining in the movie theater that movie theaters were restricting the viewership of these movies and that they were uh, uh that movies were being interrupted mid showing and that this was all a big conspiracy and of course this is what sets you on the path to investigate the person that this film was based on and of course this is something that has also become somewhat of a scandal this year as well although not really not really reported i think in the mainstream press too much mm-hmm. um reported more than you might think um, have you talked about this whole issue with Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad any more on your show? We haven't. We really haven't. We have really have not talked about okay. it. Okay, because I didn't know <clears throat> what all yeah. your listeners might already know. And 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 you did a you did a, a excellent two part on um, Recluse's show, The Farm. Right. So if anyone right. wants to go, you can kind of get a lot of detail. But you know you actually d- dug into this and and some some real weirdness around this guy well i, I let, let me just say it's not that i've obsessed on this story but if you would come over to my office any time in the wee hours of the night any night of the week you'll usually find about 25 tabs open on my browser with some late breaking or new news on this so it's not like it's some dead end story that's going nowhere. Um, every day there's a new development of what has spun off of sound of freedom and underground railroad. And it's, I almost have keyboard lockup. If you're just sort of throwing the ball over to me to try to describe it, because there's so much there that I've been probably spending on average about 30 to 40 minutes per show since the beginning of August every week with new developments. Okay. So if I, if I hesitate to figure out where to start, but let me try to just get a beginning to this. 
um, there is another mania that's going on right now that is a lot like the satanic panic manias or witch hunt. I don't know, Adam, you're the historian. If there's some other ones that we could compare those to when they get to be fads, maybe anti-sharia mania might be in there. Um, a moral panic that well, yeah, whatever. But I was just trying to think of some examples of them, but, um, it regards human trafficking and particularly sex trafficking. And there's been certain people that have been exploiting this issue. Like all of these issues get exploited by somebody. They see, you know, there's gold in them, their hills. And that's what they do with this. When they, they find something that stirs the cord in the public, their timing was perfect with the last few years because of the rise of QAnon which was a separate movement that had to have something, you know, people have seen everything, you know, you accuse people of the red scare and these people are communist or they're a secret Sharia Muslim, you know, so you have to out who the Muslim is or the communist, you know, and so there's fatigue of, you know, extremism. And so what they finally figured out, if you got to pull the Trump card, uh, excuse the pun of the most extreme thing you could accuse somebody of is that they're a pedophile. Okay. And then the worst thing more than just being a lone pedophile is you got to be some kind of organized cabal. And even better if you're like making money and it's an organized, like the mafia kind of thing. And so QAnon has basically, uh, which was all, I think started as sort of a joke there on 4chan or 8chan that took a life of its own and then they figured out how to in one way or another monetize it and then you got the most gullible parts of society of which i would include the evangelical culture i came from um they will make sure they do most of the heavy lifting the more ridiculous it is the more that they will uh try to sell it and so you know it got to the point where they're i'll just give you a for instance i met a Mexican restaurant in White House, little, you know, uh, community outside of Nashville, just north of where I live, waiting for Emmett, my first co-host who lives up there uh, from Futurequake to come meet me. So I'm on the on the little patio veranda with some chips and salsa and start talking to a guy next to, you know, older man, older than middle age. And, and a woman with him, and it's he's got he's an assembly of God pastor, okay, and I just say hello, and the first thing he says is, "What do you think about all of these pedophile Democrat, the Democrat leaders meeting underneath the Capitol with the children, the Capitol, Washington D.C. or or Nashville, in Washington, okay, in Washington yeah. D.C. Now I didn't know who this guy was. I just said hello." I may, I may have even asked him what's on his mind. Maybe that was a mistake. Yeah. yeah, But that was the first thing they said to a stranger is about the, the, all of the children that had been trafficked underneath the Capitol, the Democrats. And I do know that when they got the, um, um, audio or the uh, phone records, including that woman from Ohio, that was one of the ones they all had the met the, uh, Military gear. If you remember, they all had like the right gear and had their hands on each other's shoulders going through the crowd there on January 6th. They were talking about 
shooting gas down in the tunnels. Okay, that was on the records that they obtained. They were going to shoot yeah. and fill gas in there. So these people right. are taking this very seriously. Yeah, there was and, a heavy QAnon contingent there on that. Day. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's it's not just talk. Okay, right. So, but what I've also noticed back when I was, you know, regular going to church services and things, there was always this like click with we got to stop human trafficking we got to stop kids getting trafficked and there was never any talk about refugees that were stuck in refugee camps or you know kids on the border stuck out there with no place to sleep it was always just the human trafficking and you know they'd bring up the sex and the other stuff and there was almost like this sort of dirty kind of pervy element Mm-hmm. That they, it was salacious, I guess is what voyeuristic. I'm saying. Yeah, we. I mean, yes, we saw voyeur, that voyeuristic. That 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 other stuff. The kids, they just didn't have. You know, it had that extra little something. You know, like people in true crime. You know, the old true crime novels that always had the women that had almost all their clothes pulled off, and some guys holding a knife to their neck. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just a crime novel. Right. You know, the hero but, gives you the excuse to con- consume all the salacious details. Right. There's more than meets the eye going on there. And so there's something subconscious that is triggering with that. There's the sexual element. There's the vulnerable children there. And what this fella, Tim uh, Ballard, came up with. Now, he has his story of what he does, and then there's the truth. Okay. But basically, if I could sort of mix the two, he, he came out of uh, Border Patrol he says he saw kids getting trafficked over the border. He wasn't satisfied that the government was doing enough because, you know, they have things like laws and rights, and they also have sovereignty issues with other countries. And he saw he didn't really care for all that procedures. And so he got this idea. If he had a vil- sort of a vigilante group where he got a bunch of big, strong, burly guys with big muscles and it was more of a Rambo operation where they do raids that that was the way to fix the problem. And so that's what he proceeded to do. And he founded underground railroad, um, end of 2013, beginning of 2014. Okay. Now what I'm ashamed to say is, is that somehow I didn't know about this until Adam mentioned it on the show here, the end of July, 2023. And I had to do a crash course. Because this has been around for a while. It just turned out that this movie, which was sort of the zenith of their popularity, it was the high watermark of this thing, happened this summer. Which also happened to be the same time of the fall from grace. But um, he slowly built, he, he used the very visceral elements of it of these big tough guy cowboys rescuing these defenseless kids with these real villainous looking guys. He made them like on camera raids. So he had the reality show element that people seem to love. Um, he got really, really wealthy people who who are not going to say, Oh, I don't care about child children getting traffic. What are they going to say? No, thanks. I'm not interested. Uh, they all saw, elements that could help their perception with their public. Uh, He got guys early on his side, like Tim Robbins, 
or excuse me, Tony Robbins, the motivational speaker, Tony Robbins, who ironically already had skeletons in his closet about sexual harassment of young women, which I didn't know. So I started researching this. Well, he started providing a lot of resources for it. Um, Something that most evangelicals don't know is that this whole operation is a Mormon operation. Okay, they don't they don't advertise that. You have to look for certain words said that people are in the know. It's like, oh yeah, these are Mormon guys. Just so happens they're all out of Utah too. But um, he had people in high places helping him. One of the guys who was looking for something macho to latch onto was the Attorney General of Utah. His name is Sean Reyes. This guy's a very bombastic kind of guy. He headed all the movements in the West to overthrow the elections, the uh, um, certifying the results of the elections in all like number of the Western states, uh, put up alternative electors. You know, he's he, he's a real aggressive kind of guy. Okay, he's not just looking at enforcing law in Utah. Uh, he's trying to build a name for himself. Well, he got on early, and so he started advertising himself that he was the muscle. And he's he's like a sort of a overweight kind of guy nothing impressive to look at but he would go down there said he was going to be the muscle and he was going to stare this evil in the eye and he was going to give him the long arm of the law and so he would go down there and pretend and this is all like cowboys and indians they would do a psyop they would say they're going to go down there to buy these kids okay you're going to go buy them and when they did it was a raid and they would come in and they'd send the authorities in to get them People have asked questions like, well, if they knew where all these people were, how come the authorities weren't getting them to begin with? And what in recent years, people have been talking so long about this is that um, they go to places in Haiti or Mexico or Central America where they're best they could tell there is no child trafficking. But suddenly there becomes child trafficking after they've shown up because they start throwing money around, insisting to have underage girls brought to them and even uh-huh. when the people say there aren't any they'll say well look look we got this money we want to see them we want to see them so it's called so supply this, and demand right it became sort of a righteous sex tourism thing because if you were really really wealthy like some silicon valley people they hired they would put them on camera where they could watch it over their shoulder when they were doing this and, you know, having the raids occur and everybody's going to fall on the floor. And um, as it turned out, they were getting like grown adults. They were getting like adult sex workers who were there purposely. They didn't care what they want to get was the footage. Right. So there's so much here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to leave out, but he had big, big plants. He started doing documentaries he had one called, uh, uh, well, it was one of them was called Operation Toussaint, but he tried to brand this as that they were the new abolitionists. That was one of their documentaries they made where they just look over the shoulders and they've even commissioned, you know, the guy who does the pictures for Donald Trump, where he shows the founding fathers patting Donald Trump on the back and Obama standing on the side and he's stomping on the Constitution. I don't know if you all have seen those pictures. Uh, yes, you mean those. paintings yeah they're paintings and they're yeah, suitable yeah. For framing they they're sort of look like the dogs playing poker something yeah. about you know that good 
but they'll well, there's show, also like, the ones with like the series of all the Republican presidents, like sitting like sitting around a table with each other, patting each other on the back, and yeah, there's and, there, I've seen I've seen all those type of things, and the founding fathers crying when Obama's standing there and stuff. Well, anyway, that same artist, he got to paint a picture. And this picture shows Tim Ballard carrying this poor kid down a railroad track. It was called Operation Underground Railroad. And he's carrying the kid. And um, you've got Harriet Tubman from the Real Underground Railroad, you know, holding a lamp for him. And all these other people rescue people. And these founding fathers, Abraham Lincoln is cheering him on. And then you got, of course, Montel Williams in the picture and Ashton Kutcher in the picture. And some other people like that because they had paid a lot of money to help make this thing happen. Oh, Mike Tomlin, the Pittsburgh Steelers coach, he was in the picture too, alongside the founding fathers. And people just love this stuff. I mean, they just eat it up. Um, there it is, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And you can see him bring them. And there's some founding fathers there and Harriet Tubman with lamps. And over on the other side, uh, I think the bearded guy is um, now. I don't know if that's Ashton Kutcher, but oh, that woman right there, Mia Love. I think she's a congresswoman from Utah. I'm I'm guessing this guy's a Mormon as well. The the whole operation's Mormon. Yeah, but this oh this Abraham painter, Lincoln's over there too. This these paintings really remind me of the uh, very white Jesus that appears in most Mormon households. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's got well, if you notice, there's a little saintly glow around uh, the heads of these guys and walking down the railroad tracks, you a little glow around their head. Um, but, you know, th- th- when I say that it's a Mormon thing, it, it it's it's more true than I intended, because if you see Abraham Lincoln and the other founding fathers off to the side, um, this fellow who I don't think has any degrees in history whatsoever, has written a number of books and he advertises himself as a historian. And this is where Glenn Beck started promoting him and made him, you know, buddy, buddy with him because he wrote some books recently saying that Abraham Lincoln had read the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. And that's what led him to do the Emancipation Proclamation yep, heard that. because Mormonism and releasing from slavery go hand in hand. The other another book he wrote was that and this, this was is Tim Ballard who wrote Tim these Ballard, books. Yes. The guy who yeah. founded Operation Underground Railroad. He also wrote a book uh talking about the pilgrims in that one of the men on the ship was washed out at sea. He went up on top deck and got washed off and should have been lost, but by a miracle he grabbed onto something and was able to pull himself back on deck. And later on, he says that this man was the ancestor of Joseph Smith, who started the Mormon religion, which is absolute proof that God was behind finding America to be a Mormon nation. And, well, I need to circle back around to Glenn Beck, too. I want to talk about that later, because yeah. he's really been absorbing a lot of the most uh, the most fringy, up-to-date mutations of conspiracism. Well, I just wrote a lot about his dilemma with this guy in the last show that we'll be playing this week because he has come to a crossroads with this guy because he's been one of the main promoters and bankrolling him. Okay. He put up the money, Glenn Beck, to start this Operation Underground Railroad. Supposedly, M. Russell Ballard, 
who was the head of the apostles, the Quorum of Apostles. So I think he's third in, in the line for the presidency of Mormon Church. He was the one supposedly who really pushed uh, this other Ballard guy, who's no relation, actually, Tim Ballard, to get out of the uh, Border Patrol and to do this full time. But big players were putting all the money in. Now, um, they started doing these raids and all of these other uh, places and getting a lot of Christian support, getting a lot of Christian because they're saving from these dastardly um, guys trafficking these kids. And they say they're doing all sorts of aftercare and things. Well, this was all dramatized in the movie that was actually done a few years ago, but finally released this summer called um, Sound of Freedom. Yeah, it was filmed in 2018. Yeah. Jim Caviezel, who used to play Jesus, he's a very big QAnon guy, hardcore QAnon, yep. who, who swears that Tim Ballard told him that they found, um, uh, uh, what was I uh, talking about here, the uh, adrenochrome, that they were harvesting the adrenochrome from these kids, and they found it out, and he knew it. In interviews, he was telling them this. Uh, they also oh, found so, so Ballard has has said this about adrenochrome too. Caviezel said that Ballard said this. Okay, okay in interview, they also said that the main adrenochrome factory is in Ukraine, right? And the Ukrainian right. government is harvesting it, and Putin is trying to put a stop to it to stop the adrenochrome. This is Jim right. Caviezel. Okay, and that was the whole reason to invade Ukraine was to stop the adrenochrome. Well, yeah, part of it. Well, that the Nazis, uh, obviously. And so um, anyway, these raids are going on. They, you know, they're getting Christian attention a little bit at a time. Um, He's really pushing it. He's got the attorney general of Utah pushing it. Well, when they decided to do this movie, because they've done some other documentaries, and when they did this movie, they recruited Caviezel to play it. The attorney general of Utah was one of the main bankrollers and was the producer of the movie. Another guy, uh, Hutchinson is his name, huge, huge, big money guy in Internet sales and in uh, real estate sales in Utah. Uh, A guy that has a very disturbing, curious background, but actually was involved in his own anti-human trafficking stuff with his largesse of money. He's probably, if not a billionaire, close to it. Uh, He started participating in the raids, too, and he also was one of the producers of Sound of Freedom. Now, the other guys who produced the movie were were originally um, convicted not long ago of uh, uh, Medicare fraud, where they had set up fake businesses uh to get doctors to send them for fake treatments that they were charging medicare and as one does at a major major case these all the people all have this interesting issue like m russell ballard the apostle who supposedly was in and he he's tried to deny this and he the 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 wagons were circling around him now and he did the smart thing he 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 got died real quick he just dropped dead all of a sudden a few weeks well, he ago, was, what ninety five? Yeah, he was like ninety five, but yeah. he was still chasing the dollar. Yeah, and if uh, I recommend, if anybody's intrigued by this story, they should go listen to an old muckraker journalist who now he, he used to be one of the top guys in Utah 
television investigation, and he taught journalism at Brigham Young. His name is um, uh, Lynn, Lynn Packer. Packer. Yep. Lynn Packer is one of these guys that just won't let things go. You know, he's old school. He puts all his ducks in a row. And he had said a lot of surprising things like this Hutchinson guy about his reputation with sex parties and stuff at this place where they were doing all of the mystical planning for what Operation Underground Railroad was going to be part of something bigger. Um, but but he had shown that M. Russell Ballard was had a whole life. And here he is like third in line for the the throne there, presidency of the Mormon Church, of being a con man, of having been um, banned by the SEC for the penny stock rackets that he'd operated in all sorts of business rackets where people lost their shirt and the Mormon Church had bailed him out over the years, then putting him in this position. Uh, but supposedly on this big money windfall, and the movie itself has been hundreds of millions of dollars bringing in. Well, uh, Lynn Packer, since probably 2014, 2015, has been putting the case that these these rescues really weren't happening like they were saying. Um, back in 2020, December, Vice, who deserves a Pulitzer Prize for what they've been doing at Vice, um, they started finding out that all of these rescues didn't go down like was said, that uh, everything was exaggerated. A lot of people who saved themselves, they took credit for for rescuing. But when it really got bad, there were some things that came up before this time, but nobody was listening. But now when the movie came out and it got to be this huge sensation and the Christian people were all buying tickets, yeah. they were being goaded to, by the way, at the end of the movie, to buy up studio tickets, even though people right. weren't going to pretend they were sold out. So it was there a was a pay it forward type of thing going on. And right. just, to, just to point out, everything you're saying was all there in the public record already. Right. Like none right. of this was new information necessarily. That's right. And yeah. so a um, couple of things that did come out early that were important was that like when they went to Haiti to rescue this kid, and I think he's talked about in the movie, he, he was a little Haitian boy taken from his dad. His name was Gardy Marty. And he has been obsessed with rescuing this kid. Well, his people who give him his tips on where people are and that he uses for all of the missions told him that he was in this village in between um, uh, Dominican Republic and Haiti. And they went down to this little shrine thing of M. Russell Ballard and went down there to energize and get power from M. Russell Ballard's missionary place down there called him to tell him what they, that they had the boy. Tell the man, son, we got the boy. Well, what the operators found out there was that his source for this intelligence data, which, by the way, the boy wasn't there, was a psychic. This woman was a psychic named Janet Russon. And what this woman would do, and this was for all of their missions. Now, this is what the evangelical Christians are putting big money in to support. She was channeling the prophet Nephi. And Nephi, right. which was a Mormon prophet from like 600 BC. And so she. Haven't was, you ever done that, Mike? Haven't you ever channeled the, uh, a Mormon? 
I probably would be a lot more successful in what I do if I would tap into somebody, you know, Art Bell or something. But uh, anyway, this is what they found out was the source of what everything they were doing was what this woman, she would go into this trance and certainly start talking and hearing from Nephi, the prophet, all of a sudden. Okay. Later, when there was an investigation started this year, by davis county about the all of the donors being misled all of these raids they were going on weren't happening the money was being misappropriated and so those records have had to have been turned over and those records show they had ten thousand pages of psychic readings of this janet russon about the prophet nephi okay and that's what they were using for all of this stuff well um what Lynn Packer found out on his end was that there was actually a grand jury fielded and there was high powered people that appeared to come in and the FBI was there as well and basically shut everything down on the study and told the, um, uh, the head of the Davis County who was doing it because you see the, the state attorney general couldn't do it because he was best buddies and was involved in the operations of it. He was a producer of it. So they couldn't use the attorney general of the state. So this county's doing it. And through that, that's where they find out these 10,000 pages of all of these psychic readings that go on. Well, um, to make a short story or a long story shorter, um, what was even worse was in this process of pretending to be traffickers that were showing up, it was like a big... uh, you know, masquerade game they played. They'd go down and pretend it. What what Tim Ballard would do was that he would get these married women, Mormon Mormon women that were married or single parents or whatever that were very sincere, practicing, devout Mormon women, and he would say, "We got to do something called the couple's ruse." And the couple's ruse was that they had to pretend like not only they were married, but that they were very, very promiscuous. And so he would want them to do all sorts of sexual things to him in front of these traffickers. And they also was an excuse that he wouldn't touch the girls because, you know, his wife was there and she was really promiscuous. And so he also decided that it would be best if they practiced for many, many, many months back home in Utah. But he asked them, please don't tell your husbands. They wouldn't understand the spiritual mission. And this has been blessed by Apostle Ballard. Okay, but don't tell your husbands and I'm going to give you a burner phone and this burner phone, any email I send you, you text because it's for the children. And it could endanger the children if you let anybody see it. And so he would take their hands and put them on his groin area and move it back and forth. And if they sort of retract it, he's like, don't you love the children? You know, don't you really have to believe in the children? And he would kiss on me. And he says, look, I have gotten a special priestly dispensation from the apostle to do this. And so he would try to get them to loosen up and do the massage around his parts and around theirs and where he could start taking their clothes off and feeling them grab. And he says, look, this is what they want. So then what he's doing is he takes he takes them to strip joints. He takes them to strip joints and has them do lap dances with him. Now, so far, 
there's like six or seven women who've come forward that he's done this to. These are like church going women. Okay. These are like really reserved, shy church going. And he's, he's wanting them to do lap dances or do them with other prostitute women that they hire there, dancers to do it with them, because that would really impress the traffickers when they go on their trip. Well, you got to maintain the cover. You got to do it if you love the right. children. Right. You know, it's the, the ultimate children are counting on to justify anything. <laughs> And, um, but he would browbeat them so much that they were going to let the children down if they backed off and that there would be, you know, these operations would collapse and those children would stay in chains if they didn't play along. Right. And these sadly, very naive women, um, were browbeaten into that. And, uh, sometimes he would pass off some of them to one of the other operators and they were supposed to do the same thing. And now here's an interesting thing. I'll, if I can, uh, I haven't even shared this on my show, but I'll give right. you a little scoop. If a conspiranormal you, if, exclusive. If you want. All right. okay? um, and I'm going to talk about this later on my show, but there's a Nashville connection to this. Oh, of course. Okay. Uh, one of the places they had access to was this island in the um, British, uh, what, Virgin Islands, I guess. It was a, privately owned by a woman. And they would go down there and practice. The, these women would practice sort of pawing all over, mostly Tim Ballard, but the other women where nobody else could see. And they'd get away from their husbands. And they had catamarans and they'd go out there and play volleyball and basically just sit around and, you know, do heavy petting and try to arouse each other. That was and they would do that for a long time. The woman who provided the island to do these things was a woman by the name of Brittany Turner. And Brittany Turner is a very famous person in Nashville. She's not all, you know, she's probably. 35-ish, something like that. Brittany Turner, and I've not seen anybody report about this at all. Somebody mentioned the island, and then I had to go look up to try to find out who owned that island. Turned out it was somebody who owned a lot of real estate. And it was connected to somebody who was then connected to Nashville, who was connected to a company she owns uh, here in town called something like Aerial Development, something like that. Oh, that's big time, dude. Are you, are you familiar with that company? Yeah. You big are. Time. Big time in Nashville. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with the owner of it. Her name's Brittany Turner. She um, was a very, seemed like a very sheltered person. She was a former Miss North Carolina. Uh, she went to Morningstar University, which is not really like your regular accredited university. It's Rick Joyner the one of the apostles of the new apostolic reformation that was his gig to train delta force people spiritual delta force people for dominionism and that's what she went to um she still didn't have any way to make a living so she lived out of her car but she'd seen somebody tell her something about flipping houses so she started flipping houses came to nashville i think because of a relationship she had and one thing led to another, and eventually she got more property, more property. And now she's got this big development in real estate. And now she's 
She trains people as a business coach consultant on how to supercharge your business and be successful in business and train your workers, even though she has no formal education in business whatsoever. Um, but she started doing a lot of stuff on her own with trafficking and um, started trying to help people or disasters or things. And she learned, I think she became a pilot. She ended up marrying the, um, like a special forces guy, marrying him. Um, you see her stuff. It's very much uh, very TikTok friendly. You know, she sort of can strike a pose and, uh, you know, she's an attractive woman somewhat. And she just has the look, you know, to get people following her. Well, she was the one who pr- bought this island nation that was bringing them in to do all this stuff. Well, when he finally got thrown out of Operation Underground Railroad, when an anonymous letter started going to all of the donors about this stuff going on, um, and people started retracting from it, and then they did a quiet study and made him leave, he fled to another outfit called the Spear Fund. And the Spear Fund is like what he's hanging on to to be able to stay relevant and doing this stuff with a guy who at least until recently still believed in him the other two um operators were um this uh britney turner and her husband and i've been tracking their website and checking the um what's archive.org have it says the wayback machine you can get dates on the websites well, suddenly in the last week, they've disappeared. So they're no longer on the website. Hmm. So things are changing every day on who's willing to affiliate. Now, the attorney general has now thrown um, um, Tim Ballard under the bus because Tim Ballard was getting prepped to run for the Senate seat of Mitt Romney this yes. year. Since Mitt Romney's going out... And the attorney general of Utah had already given insinuation that he was going to endorse Tim Ballard. Well, now he's become so radioactive that the attorney general of Utah has now had to say he's not going to run for reelection because of this. And I have chronologically gone through all of his statements where he still had support for Tim Ballard and he says he has to, his right to present himself in court to show this stuff is not true, and he believed him. Well, now he says he believes the women, and he's also not running for court. But this is something that I think you guys and, and Sergio probably would appreciate. If I peel the onion back, there's a lot of details I'm leaving out that are extremely disturbing, other peripheral elements of this, because there's sort of like a mania now. Now there's new groups trying to do this. Even... Um, Oh, what's the the uh, Charlie Kirk's group? What's the famous conservative group um, uh, that that Trump helped? I can't think of their name. Anyway, they've got a group that's doing this, but they're trying to out transgender people uh, who are going for underage people. But now Tim Tebow has has an operation. Uh, the other day, I went to Texas Roadhouse to get some food, and on the front of their website on Texas Roadhouse, the gift cards are going for. Christian organizations to stop human trafficking. Oh my God! This is you buy the your 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 gift cards. That's what it all. It's everybody's getting in on the act. And now I just heard that um, uh, Ken Cuccinelli, the former Attorney General, who was like, I guess, on the staff there for Trump, 
He's now forming another evangelical group to fill the void that Tim Ballard has left. But I was going to mention that um, there's an infamous whiteboard meeting that happened just a couple of years ago where the insiders with Tim Ballard were brought to Hutchinson's mansion for this meeting and some pictures got snapped and were taken out. And what it showed was that under Operation Underground Railroad and these rescue operations were what he called the sizzle. It was the sizzle and the testimony that's on, been on the court records because we now have the FBI interviews uh, under oath and we also have the affidavits for the five women who sued him. Uh, the second in command of our has, has confirmed this because he was at the meeting was that um, Tim Ballard said the the rescues of the kids were the sizzle to get the evangelicals and other people on board. But the point was to bring them under the covenant, the Mormon covenant. And it's a proselytizing mission. There's two things. One yeah. is that that's their holy mission that right. makes them feel good and pat on the back because they're going to make everybody Mormon. The other one is, and supposedly M. Russell Bowers in the middle. The other thing was they took a, quote, nonprofit and they formed all for profit businesses underneath it. So when they would give people give money to the nonprofit, thinking it's going to the kids, it goes to timballard.com, it goes to slavestealers.com, it mm-hmm. goes to all these things. I even had a like a mercenary group, sort of like a Blackwater called Deacon Incorporated. The money got funneled through that. Then they had something that was a child adoption agency that they put the psychic woman in charge of, along with Tim Ballard's wife, and they were Tim Ballard, at least his official salary, apart from the windfall from the movies, he was only getting $900,000 a year, okay, for doing this, on top of, like, all of the proceeds of the movies. He showed he was getting one to $200 million from the movie. But the key was, and this is where M. Russell Ballard, the apostle, was in the middle of getting the windfall of this money, too, which is consistent with what his whole life had been as an operator, but also it was to get them all under the covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, another meeting that they had was with a related meeting that was also on the board called Liberty 89. Liberty 89 was another group. And according to the woman who was the developmental director for our uh, Operation Underground Railroad, who was the, you know, she would do the grants, she would get the money to come in, oversee it. And what she testified under oath was that um, Tim Ballard invited her to this very secretive meeting because she had shared some spiritual things with Tim. And Tim says, I want to show you the secret things that I'm involved in that other people don't know about. So they went to a meeting of this Liberty 89 and Liberty 89 had a guy by the name of Hugh Vale, Ken Krogh, Tom Harrison and Tim Ballard. And what she said, they were told, was that these men had a special vision and revelation they were given about the second coming. And basically how this activity would facilitate the second coming. Now, um, Ken Krogh is the guy that runs the new place that Ballard is hanging on to called the Spear Fund. This is where that Brittany Turner of Nashville was out. Now she's split. Uh, Ken Krogh... Uh, ran InsideSales.com. These guys are all from Utah. Um, 
They said he's the second biggest force in internet sales and inside sales in, in the country. Filthy rich. He had a car crash, had severe brain injuries, and this man who was also a psychoanalyst and sort of a mystic, Tom Harrison, did rehabilitation of him and brought him back whole. So he's a disciple of one of the other guys of the meeting, Tom Harrison. The guy, Hugh Vale, is probably the best-known Mormon prepper, apocalyptic prepper, goes back a long, 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 long time for prepping for what they call the call-out, which is in the Mormon church, they say there will be a time when you're told to report to your local temple or your ward or whatever, and you will be told to take up your tent and all your belongings and head for these certain rural areas in Utah and set up your tent cities, and the apocalypse is supposed to happen immediately, and there's going to be a supernatural protection for you. He was sort of at the forefront of getting the most advanced preparations to support that. And what they say in their stuff is that there's supposed to be an earthquake that's supposed to destroy Salt Lake City, even destroy the temple there. Uh, it's going to rip apart Utah. Then you're going to have roving gangs in America that are going to start not only killing people and raping them, but cannibalism. They're going to eat people alive. And it's only these Mormon camps that are going to survive. So uh, the other guy that's there, this Tom Harrison, he's it's the worst kept secret in the world. He's gone under a pseudonym that's called Spencer. And the Spencer guy was the star that was interviewed in a book that really revolutionized the a major part of the Mormon church. I mean, back in 2017, they sold over 100,000 copies of this book. Okay, that was in 2017 in five years' time. Um, so you really can't say it's an extremist or prepper's book. It's something almost everybody's read or know about. It's called Visions of Glory. And this Tom Harrison gentleman, who's a psychoanalyst, he analyzed kids that had been had traumas and stuff like that. Um, he had three near-death experiences. And in these near death experiences jesus came to same the mormon prophets came to same and they unveiled the entire end times in great detail and what was supposed to happen blow by blow account of the tribulation period and a major part of the you know the church accepts this although what happens is with these extremist visions the mormon church won't come out and say exactly well this is official teaching yeah. and it's not they, they're sort of ambiguous about it if it gets real out of hand they'll speak up about it otherwise they just sort of let things roll if it gets crazy right that's what they had to do with tim ballard okay they let tim ballard do his thing until he used apostle ballard's name one too many times and the yeah. thing came about the women and then he they basically well, came and said that we don't have anything to do with him so once you begin to embarrass yeah. right the inner sanctum that's you got to deal with it and so right. this liberty 89 was all about part of the end times was to get all of america under the mormon covenant it sort of ties into the white horse prophecy about the constitution hanging by a thread and all that and the books that tim ballard did and all this but really getting people 
energized in trusting them and following them because of the kid issue was to get people to get involved in the Mormon covenant, except the fact that the founding fathers understood that as they teach, this is a restoration of a covenant that we have all been in violation of for the whole church age, that the Mormon church was to restore the covenant that had, I guess, been sublimated, you know, because they, they teach that the scriptures had been corrupted, which is really the same thing that uh, Muhammad said, that the Christian scriptures had been corrupted and he restored it. So there's some corollary there. So they, this Liberty 89 was to bring this mystical thing about. And um, so that was the core people that was pulling this off. And I don't think they've necessarily let go of this mission, although things are being exposed now. But, you know, just like you're saying, so many few people know about this. The Christian world, nobody's talking about that over on Christian media. They're still supporting it completely. Yeah. And and also, too, I mean, the sound of, sound of freedom in and of itself has become old news now. But... You know, he's writing these books that are very much recasting American history in light of Mormonism, similar to the way David Barton has been doing for several years now, which is recasting American history as everybody is was evangelical and the founding fathers are evangelical and all this. Oh, by the way, they have a connection, Adam, because right. um, uh, Glenn Beck. Right. And Tim Ballard take over running his own operation as well. And that yeah. was one where t- uh, David Barton was in control, too. So well, you had two guys. And you know what? They they have different religious worldviews, but cynically, right. it's right. it supports right. them to sort of have cooperation with each other for mutual benefit for them. To, sort of like how the Christians and the Zionists in Israel have different beliefs on how the end game plays out, but it behooves both of them to cooperate and don't, don't ask too many questions of each other where they depart. Right. Cause Sergio was wanting to bring some things up about Glenn Beck. So this is a good place to do that. I think. Well, Adam, didn't you send me a, a a photograph of a a book that you recently saw? Where was that? A Glenn Beck book? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I saw that in a Barnes and Noble uh, okay. Not that long ago, actually, I can pull the I can pull the picture up here. Um, I mean, Glenn has talked a, was, a number of times was, about the Constitution hanging by a thread. Yeah, which well, comes this was right out of the a, White Horse prophecy. This was this was a book. I mean, just I think it's like a series of books that he's written um, about, like the Great Reset. It's called. Yeah. Dark I mean, he's future. really at the forefront of yeah. um, I've seen him uh, interview and kind of absorb narratives from a lot of these, you know, it's got a picture of swab and uh, concerning ahead, the great reset concerning like the future of AI and this whole kind of uh, end game thing, you know, AI opening up Stargate to demonic forces and right humans being controlled through this uh you know scientific medical establishment that wants to put nanobots in us and all this like really really fringy stuff but he's like fully on board pushing this to a larger audience than the talking heads that i've seen the interviews that he's had with 
But I saw an interview with Whitney Webb. You know, she puts it into this really apocalyptic uh, narrative about you know, the future of, of transhumanism and all this kind of stuff. Basically, the, the next wave of conspiracism, which I've predicted for right. a long time, is going to be this really existential thing about the elites are wanting to enslave us in some kind of brave new world thing. And uh, like you've seen, too, with Tom Horn and all that kind of stuff, the beast tech, you know, they've been on that stuff for a while. But Glenn Beck is really, I think, one of the biggest voices who's mainstreaming the stuff that's existed in this fringe conspiracy world for yeah. a while. Yeah, and, he, and he's he's pulled it off better than Alex Jones. Yeah, and yeah. Alex this, Jones these are similar narrative as to what Jones was yeah. probably talking about like 10, 15 years ago, even more. Yeah, Alex Jones got stuck in fringe world and couldn't come out, and then he tried to in, 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 ingratiate himself to the far right because right. that's where the money was. Uh, but he never got out of that. Whereas Glenn Beck's walked this tightrope, and in fact, he in, he jeopardized it at the end of his Fox News run, right? Because yep. in a Fox News, he was getting so much off of what they thought the bounds were that they ran afoul. And so, but he's been able to pull it back. I mean, you know, there's guys that I'm sure probably some of your listeners know. I know Adam know people like Mike Heiser, who recently died, more of a theologian trying to keep people on the straight and narrow on certain things. You know, big devotee of Glenn Beck. Yeah. And... Now, you probably know this because you guys know a whole lot more than I do, but I'm sure you're aware that Glenn Beck wasn't raised a Mormon, even though he is now. Glenn Beck chose Mormonism as an adult after he had had a disastrous life of drug addiction and uh, dependency and destroying his family, and he felt like, Sort of almost like Bill Wilson, a very pragmatic, just like utilitarian view of religion. Like, well, gee, maybe it'll just make me a better person. And so he wanted something that was good for his family to keep them together. So he looked at all the different religions and he wasn't really looking to see which one was the most true, which one had the most information that you had the least leap of faith, you know, that it was real. He decided, according to his own words, because I, I read them, on which one he thought was more family-oriented. And that's where Mormonism won hands down, because it believes in the eternal family unit and thus and so. And so he decided Mormonism was more family-oriented. He wasn't going to nitpick about whether it was true or not. Mm -hmm. And so he picked it as an adult. And since then, he has been faithful. Right. And in my last show I just recorded... I went over this email uh, that they had in their records. He had to Tim Ballard. I think I mentioned the beginning of this show where he basically is pulling strings with Senator Mike Lee in Utah, with the attorney general, with the top apostles in the Mormon church. And basically he, he has them on the Rolodex call. He can get them immediately because he's a big financier. Mm -hmm. You know, they're in the Mormon. Not, not that the Mormon church doesn't have a ton of money still, but still he carries a lot of heavy weight. And they were all looking at this, even though it was state officials, people that were responsible for just civic issues and things all about the issue and what how it looked with the church. And in the email, even that he talks about. If if we are in the times, I think we're in, Tim. 
all the forces are let loose against all the forces of good and the forces of evil will be arrayed against you and they're out there to tear down our church and tear down our nation i'm slightly paraphrasing but it was very much an apocalyptic view that glenn beck was saying that and he was part of waging it his microphone every week was on behalf of the Mormon church to wage what they thought their war was. And of course, you know, he sees it in a broader sense that other conservative people would be on the same side generally, although he wants to bring them into the Mormon covenant. You see, and that's the great cynicism when you get a guy like David Barton. David Barton has very extreme evangelical beliefs that would run in loggerheads with Mormon. But the fact is... They make a lot of money together. They work well together. They can back each other up on the generic things about America's divine destiny. You know, David Barton doesn't have to get into the particulars, whether it's a Mormon destiny or a evangelical. If it's divine destiny and that gets people to pay money and to get him speaking engagements and buy books, then that's good enough. Well, and just to be totally honest about it without necessarily picking on Mormons. I mean, you all know I have a lot of family history and the origins of the Mormon church and stuff, but if anyone is a candidate for believing in noble lies, yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely that organization. And psychologically and in their conscience, they can rationalize it. They, 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 they can deal that for a, for a greater cause, in other words. Well, I tell you what, some other people are trying to catch up with them, Sergio. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the evangelical world I come from, they're working really hard to try to surpass you know, <laughs> and swallowing some swallowing some whoppers. OK, you know, the, the, the Paul Bunyan level of of lore. Right. This right. is the kind of stuff that they're trying to swallow. But a lot of people, like I said, they don't know that this whole thing about just trying to save kids for trafficking is tied into all this deep mystical stuff. That people purposely don't want to tell their many sponsors what they're up to. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit, although it's kind of a similar. I think everything kind of has a theme here, but let's talk about what's going on in the world. Let's talk about uh, what's going on, what is what has happened this year, and how it's going to affect um, next year. Because I really believe that obviously well you know i think this is probably true of every year but 2023 seems like it's the the precursor calm before the storm uh, to borrow a QAnon phrase uh to 2024 which i think is going to be one probably a really really crazy year it's probably going to be one of the craziest elections if you thought 2020 was crazy here's the sequel so I think to start off with, we'll just get into the politics, to the political stuff. I think one of the things that we're talking about is Trump possibly getting renominated, um, and that's in light of several indictments that have came, come over the last year. Whether we're going to see any of that, if any of that is going to to make a difference or not, I don't know. If any of that's going to see any time in court, I know at least one of them will as of january but that's probably one of the least consequential ones um but we've had things that happened this year like the whole speaker of the house thing you know that 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 gave us somebody like mike johnson who's 
you know, if Trump gets elected, he's going to pretty much be a rubber stamp. So let's talk a little bit about that and kind of like the political front. What you see is going to happen, how this whole like election of 2024 is going to turn out, you know, and then we can kind of move into some of like the more international sphere. Real curious of your thoughts on that. Well, you know, one of the things that makes this difficult, because I have a really poor track record at predicting what's going to happen, even though named Dr. Future, I still have a poor record. The uh, What you just said about it being a really crazy year, that doesn't make it very easy to predict things when it's a very crazy year. Right. Because right. Uh, it's an in- unstable system. And so all it takes is a few perturbations and you send it off in another direction. It right. it doesn't have a self-stabilizing thing like our society used to have. Like, you know, like uh, I'm going to be a little geeky engineer here. Like your suspension, <clears throat> it has a it has a shock absorber and a spring. And what that does is that when it takes shocks to it, mathematically they figure it out that it will st- restabilize. If you don't stabilize in a system, it gets resonant, and then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger swings back and forth until it comes apart. And there's a corollary in social systems in that you get a shock, and sometimes, like a wheel traveling in a car, you're going to shift from like a far left to far right or more fascist, more liberal, back and forth, different thing. But if you don't have a system that takes out the extreme components of the vibration uh, that bring it back to center, it will just start resonating. It's almost a little bit like what we see in the Middle East there in Palestine, where you get these revenge killings in their culture or the other side took the last hit. We're going to have to make it bigger on our side. And then the other side says, well, we're going to make it bigger to teach them a lesson. Um, And so I'm afraid the stabilizing forces are becoming ineffective in our system. So everything is getting polarized to the more extreme. And I think just in the last day or two, a major milestone has happened in that in Iowa, I believe Trump has now reached 51%. Now, one poll in one state is not defining anything, but, you know, Iowa has never been his strong suit because... You know, evangelicals were a little skeptical of him at the beginning. You know, he had to come back in New Hampshire and beyond. But by hitting 51%, what that means is it's no longer an issue of all of the not Trump candidates winnowing out where you get down to probably a Nikki Haley. Okay. That's Which, not going to cut way, it. We've got these debates going on right now. Yeah. That he's not even participating in. Right. And the one they just had had the lowest viewership, I think, in the history of the debates. Of course, it didn't help. It was on News Nation. But um, (laughs) people have made their minds, more or less. You know, social media probably is supplanting. I like to watch. I'm a geek. I like to watch a full debate. I like to watch a full press conference or testimony before Senate or, you know. So that way you don't get somebody editing out tidbits. You you get it in context. Well, that's sort of passe. People don't want that. They want zingers. They want they want to hear a 
60 second or you know 20 second zinger that can be put on social media and so that's the politicians know that and that's what they go for something that's quotable um but by crossing the 51 percent the issue is no no longer how do we winnow down to someone who can then take the majority against trump in the republican camp the majority is now trump so it doesn't matter how many other candidates there are at that point. Um, one thing I'm curious about in, in the conventions this next summer is, is the Republican convention this time going to be like it was in 2020 in that from my understanding in the first time in the history of the political parties, they did not write much less approve any party platform. For the Republican Party in 2020. There was no platform that was even attempted, much less approved. It yeah, was basically a, whatever Trump decides to do, we will that, do. That's unusual. Yeah. Uh, I don't know of a single convention that they did not, because what the thought was, what the one who's running the ship is the party. The party's going to come up with the ideology. And we're going to have the platform of what our policies are going to be. And then you pick a candidate that will follow that. Okay. Well, the last time, I mean, if you needed any proof that it was just a personality cult, when you look at a major political party that doesn't even try to do a platform, it's just whatever Trump decides to do at any moment is what we'll do. And, and very few people just seem to grasp how scary that is, even if it was a Democrat or anybody else. It's like wh whatever our vaulted leader does, that's what that's what we'll do. Nobody else is involved. We'll just whatever it is, we'll get behind it. And yeah. I'm I don't know why they wouldn't do the same thing this year. Um, you know, I don't I don't know. Well, first of all, with what we see, what it took for them to get a speaker of the House, can you imagine them trying to decide on a platform? You know, and that's why when it's highly fractured like it is, maybe that's why they like a strong man, a strong man that ignores them, because then that, then they aren't polarized by having to use normal political parliamentary type compromise because none of them know how to compromise. So a strong man comes in and ignores them. Well, then they don't have to fret about selling out. They just sort of go along with it. So, you know, that that's a legacy on a political party that even if Trump dropped dead tomorrow, um, which, by the way, a hell thing could happen to either one of these characters, throw everything into a loop. But um, the the legacy of just deferring to a strong man within a major party to do whatever they see fit. Uh, I think that'll be a ghost that'll come to haunt us for a long time. That's third world stuff. You know, I mean, that's Central American. Um, so the wild cards are, are health issues. You know, um, the, 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 the Democratic Party overwhelmingly would rather have somebody else run. I think, I mean, there could be some ego on behalf of uh, um, Joe Biden. I mean, he wouldn't be the first politician to have an ego. But I'm afraid I think he's afraid that nobody else can 
stand the onslaught of Trump and he beat him once. And um, I don't think that's enough to rely on. Uh, and so will that will will they show up on their end? You know, and I, I sort of, you know, a lot of people are mad about this getting onto the international thing about the whole thing with Israel. This one has split the Democratic Party. And it's split yeah. between the institutionalists who are very strongly Israeli, and then you've got the grassroots people who are not. And will they lose them like they they left uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, when uh, Bernie ran? I'm sure that had to play some big role with the Bernie people who stayed home, felt like that they got steamrolled in the Democratic candidate. Uh, is that going to happen with this issue? Maybe it'll die down. I don't know. But they're pretty mad at the Democratic establishment. In fact, I don't know if you heard today, but um, even President Biden told the Democrat leadership that, uh, and he told Netanyahu that people were losing their support for the Israelis. Yeah, I um, I was about to mention that. Yeah, we're 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 recording this on the twelfth, and it says that. I mean, here's from Reuters. Reuters, uh, Biden says Netanyahu must change Israel, losing global support. I mean, that's yeah, that's a big deal. And was it 156 nations voted for a ceasefire today? Yeah, and uh, I think that's, America that's was the I, only one who voted veto. That's well, that was the other day, was it not? I mean, I think. Then the UN General Assembly votes. Well, that was in the Security Council. Yeah, which you're, yeah, right. Where the veto, but then yeah. the General uh, General Assembly voted like 156 votes for. So, um, with, without like taking sides or whatever, I'm just saying that dynamic is going to be a major challenge, I think, for the Democratic Party. But what what I'm curious is is when they walk up to the voting booth, are they going to be prepared? for living with a potential Trump presidency. And, right. you know, Trump says a lot of hooey. He says a lot of stuff that he doesn't even know what he's saying. He just likes to get applause and some some whoops and stuff. But he does some of the stuff he says. And well, he you know, he's made like he made a statement of just like, I'm going to be a dictator, but only on day one. He said something like that. That's, I mean, that's just, what I'm getting to. Yeah. That's what I'm getting to. Now, you know, when people walk in the voting booth and they're really, really mad at, at Joe Biden or the Democrats or whatever, they're going to have to ask themselves, are they prepared for that? Um, because what is that going to be a day like the purge? You know, like the movie? Is that right. Right, right. I mean, is that just going to be like, you know, y'all do whatever you have to do on these folks. They might be running through the libraries, grabbing all the books out and burning them. Who knows? But, uh, and, you know, there'll be no enforcement of it or something like that. Or worse, you know, grabbing people out and setting them on fire. Yeah. But um, he has said that again since then because it got a rise out of people. Mm -hmm. If it gets people worked up, that's all Trump needs. It's like, okay, um, that... That really triggered people, so I'm going to keep saying it. Mm -hmm. And so will he do that, you know, when that happens? Um, 
I think we've already got a critical mass of the public who can sleep at night and have no problem with that. Whether it's legal or not, doesn't mean a hill of beams to them. And so it, it reinforces what I have always said, that we don't have a Donald Trump problem. We have a Donald Trump follower problem. And those people, when when he become when he croaks or becomes unavailable to serve, they're not disappearing. You know, I they're maybe they'll find somebody else even gutsier to replace him. I don't know. Well, so this this is not just going to be an old man we have to wait out. This is a a movement that doesn't. If if the January sixth insurrection wasn't a slap in the face. To get people to look in the mirror and say, what are we doing? You know, or if, if it took them like three days to go back to their old ways, then what's to say, what's going to be the next shoe to drop that again, them to say, oh, it's too much. Well, okay. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Mike Johnson. You know, yeah. you mentioned the January 6th insurrection. They're already trying to rewrite the history. They're releasing all this raw footage. Yeah. That supposedly shows that the police let them in, which I think some police might have actually let them in. Yeah. Always kind of maintain that. But Mike Johnson is his nondescriptness is, I think, the really scary part of someone like him. He is what and like Sir Fiel would knows what I'm talking about. He's what the Soviets called an apparatchik. Yep. Does what the master tells him to do. These guys that were around Stalin, you know, these were, you know, the, the, the apparatchik. That is that that describes someone like Mike Johnson. But he has enough. And on the ideo- other side, he has enough ideology to energize him to want to do that. Right. Well, the other side. That's what I'm saying. The other side of him is that you know he's the, he's he is a very much Christian nationalist. Right. Proud Christian nationalist. Not afraid of the term either. You know, he didn't dispute it. Like, well, that's a pejorative term. No, I certainly am. Just like Mike Gate, uh, Matt Gates, and others say, I'm proud. You know, Christian nationalist. Uh, they see that as a major plus. Yet they're starting to make Marjorie Taylor Greene look like the voice of reason. <laughs> well, that's the thing, though. That's the thing, though, about somebody like Mike Johnson. He's not. You know, he he's he's nondescript. He doesn't say outrageous, crazy things. He's just a normal looking guy. He looks like you know, people have joked that he looks like your state farm. He's, he, he has the name of your state farm agent. Yeah. You know, and it's, and it is guys like that, that will sign off on anything. That's just like the way Himmler looked. Yep. Right. Himmler just looked like the mousiest kind of guy who would be in the background, you know, totally unintimidating looking little mousy glasses. But he got it done. Yeah. It was like there was nothing behind those glasses, you know, like a soul. Um, as far as the fear. Yeah. I think, though, too, it's like, the you know, the Christian nationalism, I mean, as we've been talking about, is just it, it is something that's really just on the rise. And it's and it's something that's going to probably bring Trump back into the White House and they'll have their guy again. And who knows what is going to happen when we when we sit back down here in a year, you know, like, what are we going to be? What are we going to be talking about? Oh, man, 2025 is going to be crazy because they're going to be going house to house. I mean, you know, who knows? Well, the FCC may have something to decide about your show, too. 
I mean, Serfiel might be in a different country because, you know, they might all, yeah, we're all the West off. Coast states <laughs> might break off. I mean, who, who, who knows what's going to yeah. happen, you know? He'll probably get arrested because if they apply the least pressure to me, I'm afraid I would crack and give away Serfiel. Oh. <laughs> Molan LeBay. <laughs> the one thing I'm more afraid of than Donald Trump, Donald Trump will just do whatever protects his butt, basically. Is yeah. the the followers that are so committed to this, whether he's there or not, right? They'll just right. go, and they're they're not going anywhere. You know, when you saw Japan conquered, it was amazing how quickly they were able to bring them under control. I mean, when you think about what they the what they did at the Bataan Death March and that what was it unit 731 or whatever it is, or they did all those horrible atrocities and other stuff. And then you, you take them, you know, their emperor worship and a few years under some, you know, military dictatorship, the American government radically changed their culture and became very docile. Um, I don't see that happening to this crowd. I don't I don't think that they'll oh well what were we thinking, you know? Because right. January sixth didn't do it. January sixth did you know, it did some of the, the guys in Washington, it did it for forty eight hours. You know, they all yeah. you know, uh um McCarthy and these other ones got up there and talked about how despicable it was and you had Lindsey Graham never again. It was nice while it lasted, Donald, but this is too much. This is it. And so, you know, and Mitch McConnell, they all bad mouthing there in the night of January 6th. And what was it? Two days later, McCarthy's down there meeting at Mar-a-Lago with him. It was yeah, all over at that point. It didn't all take over. long. And, yeah. and like I said, I mean, it's the the history has already been re, is already being in the process of being rewritten. Yeah. But, you know, one thing that I didn't put down on the piece of paper that I sent you, Mike, um, and we have talked about this a little bit before in your show is that this year, 2023 has been the year where Musk's Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter, changing it to X has really come into effect. And I can tell you that like, and I thought at first it was me with my, with the algorithms, but it's a lot of people have said the same thing that it has become a cesspit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just straight neo-Nazi stuff, transphobia, anti-Semitism, well, algorithms, are all kinds work, of stuff. You know, if they're supposed to work the way that they're, if they work the way that they're supposed to, then most of these people we're talking about wouldn't naturally get fed this type of stuff that they're getting fed. Right. It's meant to just maximize, you know, your your habits already and sell more shit to you. It's it's not that. It's it's very yeah, uh, man. You know, well, you know towards extremism yeah Sergio, you and i've been talking lately that like you know because you've been on you've been on you know tiktok a lot more than i have and like you have found just the craziest shit yeah i think i was kind of being a poser and uh i was just really surprised at the algorithms on my youtube shorts and my instagram reels uh so i decided to do a little experiment and uh on my TikTok, which I just use for music stuff, and I don't even have much engagement on there at all. But it started uh, 
seeing where the algorithms would take me in the like paranormal conspiracy worlds and just started liking and favoriting and following accounts with the weirdest shit. And now like I'm fully into an algorithm of the most, um, I don't know what I call it, just a conspiracy theory of reality type of stuff. Um, everything from Tataria stuff to a lot of stuff about the firmament, you know, videos trying to prove that these rockets yeah. are uh, just hitting the firmament wall and we've never been to space because they just bounce off the firmament. Which goes out of the flat earth shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of that, a lot of um, something we've talked about that I think is kind of interesting and it's it's been around in some kind of form for a while, but as far as like paranormal evidence on video, you know, you've got UFO videos, you've got ghost videos, Sasquatch videos, but a trend that's really picking up is this uh, glitch in the matrix type of video where something is showing that there's a glitch in the matrix that someone is like stuck or like it'll show like a, there's this one that's really famous with a cat. That's like, you know, licking some water that's coming out of a spigot and it's like, Oh, it's frozen. It's stuck. It's a glitch in the matrix. So I've been seeing a lot of that stuff, um, but it's full on, like, like I said, conspiracy theory of reality stuff. And the reptilian stuff is still really popular, which I think was kind of a precursor to this. Like I found this one account where someone is, just filming their low resolution television screen on like C-SPAN at UN meetings or, or, or Congress. Oh. And like the people in the background in like really low resolution, you know, videotaping on a cell phone look kind of blurry and weird. And they're like, see, they're, they're reptiles, etc." So ah. it's a cesspool for sure, but it's, I want to see where it would go. And it does go all the way to just total, insanity no minuscule part of consensus reality left at all this is is, the drug soma this is the soma of brave new world it's just an electronic drug that people check out from reality meanwhile the fascists go do whatever they want because everybody else is just sort of in their own unreality world well, and it feeds into right. all well, this. Yeah. It can feed into all this political stuff because it's like if you start questioning the history that they tell you, then you, you question who are the elites really. Then you question is the Earth flat. Then people can very quickly have this really vague anti-establishment identity that can be used for any kind of purpose. Yeah, I mean, uh, so there was this documentary series that I watched not long, not long ago about the uh, cult of Mother God. And this was this small cult that really fed off this kind of conspirituality, new age stuff. And the same kind of stuff that really that you're talking about, right? And she also, she just, this, she just pulled from everywhere. Okay. Ascended master stuff. Basically, she said she had these galactics that she talked to. And one of them was St. Germain. Well, we, you know, we listen to the show knows that comes straight out of theosophy. I am movement, all that. And, you know, but, but Trump is one of those and they all love Trump. And they, you know, when, she, when, when she dies because she, you know, was a raging alcoholic with a failed liver, you know, turning blue from drinking colloidal silver, 
you know, the, her followers thought she was going to resurrect. And Trump was literally going to come down in Air Force One and take him with her, yeah. her with him. And, you know, it's just crazy stuff. But this is just but this is not too far indicative from what a lot of people actually believe and perceive as reality. Well, it's not necessarily that they have to believe it. It's about creating this uh, this distance and this. uh, It's a hyper reality. Yeah. It doesn't require you to actually believe it. It encourages you to question everything, which have nothing in common with. Any consensus. Right. And I think the evangelicals too have fallen into this trap as yeah. well. I mean, yeah, they definitely across they're the, getting, the new age and right with Mormonism, like what you're talking about, Mike, and all the, yeah. yeah it's a I'll give you a case in point of of that on the Mormon side that kept coming up in my research. Um, that Ken Krog guy who just follows this Tom Harrison guy everywhere who uses this pseudonym Spencer for visions of glory and his near-death experiences and has this huge following in the Mormon world. I found this outfit and something like pro care or something. It was a, it was an outfit that I don't think it ended up going anywhere, but they had a conference just a couple of years ago about getting psychological care that wasn't tied to the principles of psychology or accepted practice, but used more of a religious way you know supernatural way to give psychological help to people and at this conference they had there's eternal core i think was the name of it eternal core and they had the people who were participating to help and it was a who's who they had a um tim ballard they had this tom harrison guy who was like the granddaddy ken krog um, a few other people we've mentioned. And then there was a Jody Hildebrand and another woman that was there with her that was all on the speaker list. Does that ring a bell with you, Jody Hildebrand? She is um, very famous as a counselor for family relations, marital relations, raising children. She's like an internet sensation. Um, there's another woman whose name escapes me, who had, was had a Mormon family, had like seven kids. I don't know if they advertise they're Mormon, but they are. Um, and she, this is the stuff people groove on, on YouTube or internet. She basically would just do day in the life stuff of here's how we solve our problems and deal with seven people in the family. And here's what I've learned works raising kids or doing things. And this other woman supposedly was the expert. Well, she took her under her wing. And what happened over time was she started this Hildebrand woman. You find out he's, she's really a man hater. Okay. She's this supposed expert on family relations. She's like a lot of people I've seen in that area. Everything is based upon you not dealing with reality. You don't accept your own shortcomings you don't accept responsibility for the failures in your life it's all you it's nobody else's fault for anything you have to accept and own up to it and so she sort of branded that like almost a trademark okay um accept the truth you've got to accept the truth not live a fake well she started getting this woman and sort of slowly wheeling her away from her own family 
telling her how bad her husband was. Now her husband didn't probably wasn't trustworthy, probably cheating on her. He probably was watching pornography. She shouldn't trust it. Same thing with the kids. So she started getting this woman to like live with her most of the time. Okay. Now these people are both very, very famous on the internet. So they start doing a show together. That's like a, one of the top rated shows. Well, just recently, one of the younger woman's kids who was staying at this Jody Hildebrand's house broke free and got to a neighbor's house and they had rope burns around their wrist and tape burns were malnourished, looked like they're ready to die from malnutrition. And he pleaded with them, please call the cops, please call it. Well, they raided the house and found all these kids that had been chained up and, you know, at, at her other house and at this Hildebrand house too. And, um, basically just doing horrible things. They would take like uh, chili pepper and rub it into the wounds, the rope burns of the kids. Meanwhile, all of these spiritual people, Christian, Mormon, others, were seeing them as the role models online on how to raise families and children. And they're part of the same circle, okay? Um, another set of groups that are really big in the Mormon world lately was a woman, her last name's Valo. And I'm trying to remember her, the guy she was with. But anyway, they got to be one of these apocalyptic pre uh, prepper groups that would look at books like this Visions of Glory I was telling you about. And they would study on how to prepare for the imminent apocalypse. Well, she started, um, this man started being part of their study group and he said that you know in a prior life they were married and they were married to each other before she was married to her current husband mm -hmm. and all of these other things went on and eventually before it was all done they had looks appears that they had killed each other's spouses yeah and they eventually killed her kids yeah this and was so, huge news. This was yeah, and they this made up, the national news. I mean, this right. was big a few couple few years ago. And ended up in in Hawaii. Yep. And when they went and served her papers, you know, for murder and the other stuff, she was reading that Visions of Glory on the on the video at the pool while while she was doing this. And so this is a big discussion too on how this and this is this Tom Harrison book I was telling you about that's doing the other thing. Supposedly what Tim uh, uh, Ballard was telling these women was that the same Thomas Harrison guy who'd had the near-death experiences had told him was that in his vision, he had seen Tim Ballard, who all the evangelical Christians are following now, that in his vision, he was going to be not only the senator, but the president of the United States and that he would become the the prophet of the Mormon church and would personally usher in Jesus Christ. And Tim Ballard believed that. But he doesn't have, Tim Ballard doesn't have an inflated sense of himself. I'm no, no, heavens no, very humble. Yeah. You know? Right. But but he believed what he had told him. So, on, it just Bizarre. looks like here's these good guys just rescuing kids, you know, and what's not to like? But they've got this whole mystical thing going on that they can't see out of it and see the insanity. That you know, and we look at Jim Jones and Jones and we think, well, how could that stuff ever happen? Yeah, I guess it could happen all the time.
It does. It does. It absolutely happens all the time. I mean, just uh, yeah. cults are numerous and, and abundant now. And because people have re- people have really just lost their sense of meaning. And I think that you find if you find a charismatic leader, someone that that you can look up to, uh, or that you are that says all the right things, uh, it's very very easy for people to fall into it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what you know, whether it's a Christian cult or it's a New Age cult. It, it really doesn't matter. It's it's all the same thing essentially. What do you think historians a hundred years from now, if we're still here, are going to say? What was the biggest cult? of the last five or 10 years in our society. Well, <laughs> which had the biggest reach with the yeah. most fantastic claims. Yeah. Well, I mean, you the know, biggest these, impact on society. Right. I think you're referring to MAGA. I mean, a broad political, that type of political movement, I mean, essentially mimics a cult, but just on a larger national scale. And, and to, we've seen examples of that before. To subsume um, QAnon, uh, of which, you know, Mr. Trump never really, he just spoke about all the great people at it, just like at Charlottesville. All, you know, right. a lot of good things there in that QAnon. Well, he'll first say, oh, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what you're talking about when, when there's something bad happened. But then he'll say, but I hear there's some really fine people in it, though. Well, he at first said, I hear they like me a lot. So I think yeah, that's all right. 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 Essentially. Right. So it's it's interesting to think a hundred years in the future, what are they gonna think about what they observe now? Like after the insurrection, the whole COVID era, you know, and all these people when there's like a world pandemic health emergency and people insist in gathering in large groups to try to make a statement. When people like, you know, during the Delta part of it, you know, when it was a high death rate and they're insisting, you know, and getting their Herman Cain award, uh, you know, what are people going to be thinking about that in the future? You're taking the the stance that there's that there's going to be historians in the future it's or that it's going to go in a positive now. direction. Yeah, <laughs> they, they might yeah, see that, it as the as another right. great spiritual awakening where that, yeah, beginning of the golden what's age. Important. Yeah, beginning. Well, of as we're kind of closing things out, um, uh, international stage, we did talk a little bit about the Israel Hamas war. I don't really, I don't think I really want to talk too much about that. Just because. Oh come on, that's an easy one to solve. Oh yeah, just yeah, right. it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, right so, it's so complicated. Yeah. But you know, uh, tied to all this and the the congressional stuff, you know, we talk about Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House. Yeah, you know, I mean, Zelensky was here in the United States today, and like Ukraine. I mean, like you know, I think we talked about this last year. Where the hell is this going to go? You know, and then also too. Um, just a report came out that it's estimated that the Russians have lost 315,000, which is a crazy amount. Catastrophic. Considering that, like, in four years of World War II, we lost something like 450,000. Um, they, they've lost something like 5,800 tanks, which dwarfs yeah. Stalingrad in what they've lost. I, I also heard But the Ukrainians are also getting decimated as well. Well, they're losing a ton, too. But, you right. know, the... Uh, they, I heard today, this is from also from the Americans, 
that they the Russians lost 87% of the army that they had at the start of the war. The, of those original, the, the army that Russia had, 87% right. of those people are right. gone. Right. So that's why they had to bring all the prisoners in, you know, and the murderers and stuff to replace them. Or yep. immigrants from far away. Now they the Cubans, they're bringing Cubans in to fight. But yet they know that the West doesn't have much of will to anything. We haven't even felt any kind of really significant inconvenience from it, and we're still throwing it in the towel. Yeah, I mean, it kind of it, it, it kind of sees that way because it seems like the, the Republicans are not interested in in, no. in the funding, and I think that that's honestly one of these things that has been beaten across through social through a lot of social media. That yes, we have there's a very possibility that yeah we probably have put things into somewhat of a black hole all these billions of dollars people are always going to say that they're always going to say why are we helping another country when we could put it back here but yeah you you've heard of the internet research agency right yeah out of saint petersburg probably yeah internet research agency yeah i'm i'm aware of them yeah largest player on the internet Owned originally by Prigozhin. Yep. Um, so you're always going to have who non-suspiciously that. died in a plane crash, right? Right. Which which shows what happens. You can trust Putin when you make a treaty and a when you make an agreement with him. Putin will always honor the agreement. You know. <laughs> Just ask Prigozhin. Uh, Sophie, are you still drinking Putin's favorite beer? No, I'm drinking 100% American Rainier. Not not East German communist beer no more uh what was it rataburger <laughs> sorry mike i didn't mean to no, derail your okay. train of thought there i may have seen some of that when we had our honeymoon we went to a concentration camp on our honeymoon and we okay. went to hitler's bunker on our honeymoon that's romantic romantic uh-huh yeah Stood right which concentration camp did you go to did you guys both uh pop Fashion a top and all just for the heck of it do what? What you, you say? Pop a Tylenol just for the the ritual of it. I didn't pop know that. Pop a Tylenol. Yeah, just yeah. Pop a Tylenol and, and, and click a gun to your head at the same time. Oh, is that? I see. I didn't. Did you know give one Hitler to the dog right before? Yeah, well, I, I think it was something else, but yeah, just you know. Okay. Nah, I wasn't hip enough for that. Uh, but we stayed in Dresden, right? Sort Dresden, of right China. after the wall came down, uh, and. Uh, Took a ride up to Berlin and saw Hitler's bunker. So probably saw some of that beer there on the eastern side. I got chewed out in Prague. We we were looking at the walls, and um, I asked him. There's these ancient walls through Prague, and and you know this guy was I guess from Czechoslovakia after they got freed there. And I said, did the Romans build those walls? And he says, No, we did. We were the slaves. And at that point, he would only speak in German the rest of the tour. He wouldn't even speak in English for Ginger and I. So oh, I caused a little international incident on our. You've been known to do but, that. Yeah. But I did stay at the Hotel Gorbachev oh, when cool. I first started working in Russia. It was the hotel that one of the things I gave Gorbachev to agree to step down when they surrounded him at his DACA and they negotiated. They gave him this Hotel Gorbachev and. So that's where I got to stay before I got to go to a secret city, uh, got smuggled into called Star City and see Yuri Gagarin's uh, uh, uniform. 
Ooh. for the listeners, I think you guys don't know how, you know, Mike always makes these references. I remember when we did the question and answer session for the first strange realities and you can yep, hear Mike just you say Mike just say something like, What is this, a poet bureau meeting? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were looking a little old, the attendees, so what uh did you I mean, did you have a lot of hope at that time? Do you did you think that we were gonna really mend things and, and help uh former Soviet Union and, and yeah. Russia come back into the fold of the West? Well, that was the Yeltsin time, okay? Yeah. So I came in right after that happened. What happened was that society was turned on its ear. Yeah. All of the shock, really well-to-do therapy people and everything. were suddenly like poor as all get it out. Like, you know, because I, I dealt with scientists, engineers, doctors. The middle class were the people who interacted with the West like translators. Mm-hmm. The upper class were these people that had these little photomat kiosk selling bootleg black market videotapes and stuff. And they were everywhere on the street. And that was the burgeoning of capitalism there. But, you know, everybody knew that, you know, he was corrupt, uh, Geltson. But he wasn't totalitarian like Putin, who he picked. So where my hope was was not in the government, but I got to actually meet the people. I worked with an older scientist there who was in his late 60s, didn't speak English. I brought him over to the States because we did a joint project together, and I took him to a barbecue restaurant, and he looked at all these pictures of these old black blues artists, and he knew every one of them. And I asked the translator how he knew them, and he says, well, we used to smuggle them in the old days. And he says it was punishable with imprisonment if they caught it. And he said it's music of the soul. But uh, he described his government at the time as the gangsters. He says our government's like the 1920s America gangster era. And I really love the people I met because they would give, literally give the shirt off your back. I remember I accidentally dropped in to see some older woman in an apartment. And we were there for like less than a minute and she had to go out and dig out a brooch out of her chest of drawers to give me because I honored her by dropping by to see her for one minute. And that had a big impression. You know, some other guy gave me a bunch of uh, fish tackles that he made bait uh, lures, lures is what I'm trying to say, that he made when he and his good old boys used to go out fishing in the Ukraine, actually. And he gave me, I still have those. So, you know, that tainted my view that if we could get our governments out of the way, we would find much in common. But here's the other thing that's happened, Sergio. Both in their country and in my own, I have been terribly disappointed and heartbroken that I felt like I knew people on both sides and they've not turned out to be who I thought they were. Because you look at the polls in Russia, it's not that the overwhelming number of people are just wanting freedom and they can't get out from under Putin. Yeah. I'm guessing the majority of them really do like what he's doing. And it is a real discreet minority that's trying to resist. I've yeah. had the bigger disappointment in my own country with the people I thought I knew. Yeah. So, it's a you know, tragedy you'd all think, around. You'd think if you got around the rotten leaders, we'd all be okay. I wish it was that simple. Yeah. And I think just much like here, but just on a much more 
and and this could still happen, but just on a much more just government control basis. That twenty four hour they have that twenty four hour news cycle, and it just it just continually it's a continual brainwashing. Yeah, continual. So- and I can imagine that like and a lot of I mean the kind of the last gasp of some of the real independent uh, minded stations in Russia once the war started last year you know that that's done yeah. essentially oh yeah yeah they had to split a couple women you know they held signs on air you know about this yeah. war is wrong and well that, that was the end for them so you know going back to the last time i spoke a few years ago at your uh, strange realities conference and i talked about all these different technologies used to alter our realities like binaural beats and how hypnotism has been incorporated in the technique of relaxing the left lobe of your brain to let your accepting right lobe take in everything. And there's there's auditory, there's visual, electromagnetic, all sorts of things to let your left lobe sleep that discerns things and lets the all-accepting right lobe take it in. Um, and at the conclusion, I said, you know, when you look at this, you realize that we're bringing a knife to the gunfight of the info war. We don't have a chance with these people, with all these. I even talked about the occult memetics, about memes by people who are competent to know how to push buttons in just an image. Mm-hmm. And I said, the only thing I can recommend to people, because I don't have all the answers, but what I'm going to do now that I recognize this is I'm going to go back and figure out what my basic values are. And I'm going to go figure out where they came from, figure out how robust they are, how how timeless they are, how long have they, do they have a track record of working in different cultures, and make sure where they came from and rely on that more than I do this barrage of information trying to twist and turn me. And I know that's not a perfect answer, but that's the only thing I got with this because I do recognize that I, my brain doesn't have the tools to handle this stuff yeah. coming at us. Unless you're going to go be a monk somewhere, you know, and then you're uninformed. You don't know anything what's going on. Don't even know man landed on the moon, you know. So what, what can you do is you have basic values like the golden rule, you know, don't harm people. You know, let people be themselves as long as they don't harm you. Um, you know, be honest. That honesty has virtue and, and worth it. You know, even if it's something you don't want to hear. Um, those basic things like that, unless we hang on to those and then be very, very skeptical on everything else we hear coming from strangers. That's what this info is. It's come from strangers. Now, if someone has a long journalistic career, I think you should at least factor that in. You know, if they have a long track record of, of something that has been beneficial, you should. That doesn't mean they're always right, but it means you take it a little more seriously. But mostly these are strangers. And I, I heard um, some folks on an interview I did the other day who had heard me talk a long time ago, they said, you know, talking about in a religious context, they said, yeah, you refer to these people like these preachers and televangelists as hirelings. And that includes sometimes your local pulpit 
And I, he, they said, I never really looked at them differently after that. I said, well, that's just what Jesus called them, you know. And if you remember, these people are hirelings. And in a secular sense, that's true, too. Mm-hmm. These people are contracted out. They're, they're mercenaries of information. It's they're mercenaries, job. and they will fight to overwhelm you, and they'll use every dirty trick in the book to change how you think of things. And your question is, are you going to let them do it or not? The problem I have is that a lot of people say the only answer is just to run away. Just run away and avoid everything. And so they immerse themselves into sports or their hobbies or making money or doing all this stuff because they can't sort it out and they don't want to put the energy to do it. And since we live in a society of self-government, at least theoretically, I don't I think that's a cop out. I don't think we have a right to that. And at the same time, expect to live in a free society, which means we have to be grownups and make at least an attempt to try to sort out and distill things out. And good journalism, what they used to do. That's why I like this guy, this Lynn Packer I've seen. Um, He'll make sure that, you know, he'll try to find out, well, did they have something to say about this? Do they have a retort? I'll, I'll try to, you know, contact the people that we were talking bad about to see if they have a comment on it or dispute this information, or I'll at least go double check it. That's all very time consuming. But if we're going to be responsible citizens, I guess we got to bite the bullet. That's the price of the information age. The only thing I let my guard down is when I hear conspiracy normal, because I know there's nothing that's going to be untrue come out of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And for 13 years, 14 years, it's never let me down. We haven't been around that long. It's only been well. Actually, we're going 20, on twelve. We're going on twelve. We're oh going yeah, on 12 okay. Years. I'm not. I'm an engineer. I'm not real good on the ciphers and accounting. Sorry. There, there, there may be there may be some guests that we've had on the in the past that have, you know, said some. Usually, the guy on the end of the year is the question. That guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, Doctor Feature, I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, it's been this has been a real a real pleasure and uh, i think we've had a really great discussion and um i think it just time is of course only going to tell what is going to happen but um you know i would just stay tuned for a lot of craziness guys because you know that's what's uh that's what that's how i think things are going to be but you know uh, what's crazy is that we're in a point now where two guys who volunteer and don't make any money on any of this stuff who have real lives that they lead working jobs are the place you have to come to hear the voices of reason. Yeah. In the inner, you know, it, I mean, this is what we've come to. If it's, if it's not guys like you, where are people going to have a calm reasoned with the ability to retort right. and not have some wealthy people come up and give you a script to read and to say, you stick with this and follow this formula, you know, and uh, make, you know, make sure you get as many good wise cracks and cheap shots in as you can. Um, you know, your place is a place where people are allowed to develop a thought, make their case. You you treat them with respect, yet at the same time, you'll ask them questions. Um, it's a dying breed. Yeah, it really feels like that. 
I mean, it feels like it is. I mean, I've noticed that there there has been in the last few years a real sea change in this kind of podcasting medium. I feel like that there's been much more of a pressure of of a pressure on creators if they want to make good money just to keep themselves afloat financially, not just to you know be rich or whatever, right? To where they they seem to have to toe some kind of party line because either it's what gets them listeners or someone else is say is giving them the money to do so yeah and that's how it really has felt in the last few in the last at least three or four years to, uh, to and, me and like i've said a lot i think it's a um it is a very vague stance more than anything but it has very specific goals that it helps accomplish for certain very specific people but i think a lot of people participate in that think that oh no this is just the general new anti-establishment stance but it's it has very specific goals that it accomplishes can you elaborate a little more on that surfio well what i'm saying is what adam's talking about is that this general line that people feel they have to tote is um you know say the line that we saw during trump the line that we saw during the pandemic etc it is thought of as just this new kind of the new anti-establishment um and it's really based on just vague stances but it's actually politically exploited for very specific means Mm-hmm. I guess the vaguer the better because you can throw a wider blanket over people and they don't ask where's the beef. Yeah. You know, they they think, hey, they're talking to me. It's like the uh, the whole thing that the uh, human trafficking. They don't have to get into detail about Mormon yes. theology yes, or exactly. other. It's like, well, they this is a Christian organization. If you if you told most evangelicals, they would be certain that that is an evangelical operation organization they think that about glenn beck and so the vagueness if you keep does serve. peeling it back and you see what you know the real agenda is behind these these larger they're really belief systems more than anything yeah yeah well one thing that i have learned that i think would make your show a lot better because you know i'm on the cutting edge of social media um from having seen youtube videos is you need to start titling these shows like you'll never believe what Dr. Future said. <laughs> Dr. Future bears all in this episode. The shocking findings of Dr. Future. It, when I, you know, I'm an old person, so I go to YouTube to watch stuff. Okay. You know, when I've seen TikTok, I read the instructions on it because I had some people say, oh, you need to be on TikTok. And I saw in there that they say if you go over 30 seconds, it stresses the viewer. It's too much for them to process with 30 seconds or more of material. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, I think I understand the audience. But in YouTube, which used to be you go learn stuff, you go find some history and you can, unlike the History Channel, you can go put in a keyword and find what you want. Now, when mine opens up, all I have is a scantily clad woman 
who just happens to be showing how to play a chord on a guitar <laughs> yeah. or a scantily and you're, clad And you're woman. paying attention to, to the chord position on her fingers, right? Yes, yes. Or in the kitchen that's going to show how to cook mashed potatoes, but they're scantily clad. And the rest of it is all the pictures with the guy with his hands on his cheeks with his mouth open, like, the, you know, what you're getting ready to see is the most amazing thing in your life. And I'm thinking... Our society is turned into one big carnival sideshow, like Carnival Barker, uh, you know, Midway, Carnival Midway with the two-headed lady, you know, come and see the the half man, half animal. You won't believe it. Yeah. And that's what's coming on both sides. It's just about about getting hits. Yep. Yeah. Which is what they did. I mean, that was the carnival barkers. That's how they learned. And, you know, most of the stuff they learned in the carnival is what went into professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. The whole kayfabe came, all of the terms and then came out of the carnival world to know how to hook people for well, their purient interest. The, the, the thing is about YouTube, YouTube isn't even the cutting edge of any of that. Well, yeah, I know. As I say, it's for old people now. Like, well, well, YouTube changed. They all changed because of the, because of TikTok. Yeah, yeah. That TikTok algorithm, the way they drive, the, the way they drive their videos, has completely changed everything else. And so, you know, I'm gonna be old man screaming at cloud because I guess I'm, I'm I'll be fifty in a couple of years, so I'm just gonna just do Hold it. On. It makes it so hard to find things on YouTube. Yeah, right. It's frustrating. Used to be, I could type in the title of a video right. and I could find it. Now it's just like, you know, there was something that Surfiel sent me uh, that was part two of something where I'm like, where the hell is part one? <laughs> well, I found part one, but it had some. This guy said this about the powers that be. But the other video was the actual. Da da da. Yeah. Show part two. Yeah. It's just it's so it's 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 frustrating to try to find that. And I guess I think a lot of that has kind of migrated to things like archive.org if you want to try to find that stuff. But it's just like the the TikTokization of it all has just that's what's driven all of this. And it has fashioned the mind. Because yeah. I know a few people who are younger people that that's their main world. Between that and gaming. Right. And it reflects how they're, I don't know, it's chicken and the egg. So I don't know if it formed their brain or their brain helped encourage that format. But for some reason, they reflect each other. It would be nice if we could find like an old coot environment for people like myself. And maybe you all will get like me and other uh, to go and have adult conversations and, you know, adult information. But then the question comes, is there enough of an audience this gets me back to the beginning of our show here, talking about my radio show. Is there enough yeah. of an audience that just wants to sit as grown adults and methodically try to understand something important going on and like take time to lay out the evidence? It would be almost as audacious as asking somebody to read a book. Uh, Lord forbid. Well, I want to thank you, Mike. I really want to thank you for coming on. This has been this has been excellent. Um, please tell everyone where they can find your radio show. Okay. 
and uh, whether or not there's going to be a YouTube channel where Dr. Future is going to bear all finally. Well, I've cried wolf a few times, but it wasn't intentionally. It was just because I'm incompetent. If if you want to regarding that latter point, uh, if you'd like to listen to my show, I'd be honored. You'll be in very, very exclusive company if you listen to the show. In fact, you'll be able to say something you heard on the show in a crowd, and it's almost guaranteed nobody else will know it. Um, the Two Spies Report radio show is on WRFN every Thursday at 5 o'clock Central Time live. And if if you're out of Nashville, uh, it's normally on 103.7 FM is mostly where you can hear it. But if you go to radiofreenashville.org.org, at the top, there's a little bar for streaming. And at five o'clock, you'll see the two spies report pop up and just click on the little arrow and it should play. Um, but on the on your latter point about getting it uploaded, that has always been my ultimate end game. And what I hope to do is to start that January. Uh, in January to have um, what I want to do is to take all these first 50 shows and archive them somewhere. So it'll probably say something like the original WRFN shows to two spies report or something like that. If you Google that, you'll find them. That'll be up first. And then I'm going to have, I've done all mine on video. Of course, of course I have a parallax problem. You can see me looking off of the center cause I don't have a uh, teleprompter. So it'll look like I'm cross-eyed because I'm sort of looking off the center of the camera. But, um, you get to see me and all my handsomeness on video that I'm going to put on YouTube. And so, but they will be in smaller clips. They'll be more, not quite TikTok length, but more digestible, like 15, 20 minute segments. Um, and then I'll strip the audio off of those edited ones. That's going to take me a while to edit those and figure out how to edit video. And then those little segments will be a more that, you know, uh, drive time digestible podcast. So I'm going to put the full one hour shows intact with the music for meditation. That's the plan park it somewhere, but then I'm also going to have the, the broken up into two or three segments, put it on YouTube with video and audio, and then take the audio parts of those and try to have a more of a traditional podcast. And then I'm going to get back and finish up volume two of the two spies report or the uh, two masters and two gospels, which has just been sitting there rotting on my computer ready to to release all right awesome. well that'll be great awesome. for everyone to be able to get access to that uh, who's not uh, able to catch it live or not in the terrestrial area well and if they have sleeping problems it should take care of any kind of insomnia when it, my voice does it it's like a sleeper holder <laughs> like a little handkerchief of uh, chloroform that's what it does so they start hearing that uh what they will do is absolutely adore conspiranormal. If they hear a few of them, they will say, Oh, this is the most interesting show I've ever heard in my life. But they have to be scared straight by hearing conspiracy, by hearing the two spies report. And then well, you guys will be one of our most beloved, beloved guests. And, and uh, <laughs> Mike's self, self deprecation ga yeah. game is on it point. No guys. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of both listeners of my show <laughs> right. oh, but they do come in when adam's on we we have a lot of the uh um i don't know they're like cult members themselves that yes yes 
the the uh, the Adamites, I guess you could call them. <laughs> They show up. Pre-Adamite man. Yeah, it yes. is. <laughs> they do. They do like. Yeah, they do look have a prehistoric look about them. But, All right. uh, but anyway, and Adam, I want to thank you publicly thank for you. pitying me and coming on the show and pitying my audience to come in and try to jazz it up a little bit. Um, everybody else, they don't. People don't want to associate with me. Okay, I'm I'm a ghost. So I appreciate your pity. Uh, You're even welcome. If, even if you disguise it as friendship at times. Well, it's good to have you as a friend, Michael. It's good, it's good to have you as a guest on the show. And uh, where where can people find uh, uh, Doctor Future these days? What's oh, well, main place. I mean, if you're really asking for punishment, I'd love for you to take a look at my book. That's probably like the most coherent that I talk is in writing and. Uh, Two Masters and Two Gospels, Volume 1, The Teaching of Jesus versus the Leaven of the Pharisees and Talk Radio and Cable News. Um, that sounds very religious -y, but you're going to get a little bit of UFO cult religion in it. Uh, the, the foundations of the uh, UF, uh, the uh, LSD movement in America, a little bit of Bohemian Grove, and all that is part of a narrative on the people who founded conservative Christian thinking. So that's at Amazon or Barnes and Noble and Walmart, any place else you can find it. And also ebook form. And then I got some other stuff coming out. I still have my blog up, uh, the two spies report, uh, dot wordpress.com or two spies report dot wordpress.com. Um, as I always say, there's something there to offend everybody. And even the old future quake shows are still available. Yeah. All the way from 2005, they're still just parked there, futurequake.com under past shows tab. So um, if you want to find out, like if I have a new announcement or something, if you go to mikebennettbooks.com or my publisher, akribospress.com, that's A-K-R-I-B-O-S press.com, you'll hear any late-breaking announcements. And if you don't know who I am, there's a little bio up there you can read and this and that. Thank you for asking about that. I, you know, I well, talk to people on shows and I always forget that. I never end up saying anything, you know, because I get worked up on the topic. Please, so, please thanks. sell your wares always. On yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, that's all I'm in this for is the the big dollars and and the big bucks. And it's been so successful for me so far. That's why it's really changed my standard of living. I, <laughs> I can see that in you all, too. I see the conspiranormal jet fly over the house when you're coming in for speaking engagement. That's why he was able to put in a jacuzzi in a pool in the back of the Dr. Future compound. Yeah, I wish. Well, you know, there was a pool back there for Buster, but it was a kiddie pool that I'd have to set in. Yeah. So if you could just picture me in like a little tiny kiddie pool sitting in there with Buster, that's the exotic spa area for the Benatorium. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Dr. Future, for coming on and, and, and being a part of this. And uh, we are not done with the year. because Sergio and I still need to do uh, our year in review. Uh oh, uh, coming up. Uh, hopefully we'll get to do that next week. But well, it's always easy. Yeah, that one's always easy where we just review the episodes and uh, from last year and how we feel about them. We'll probably talk about the Strange Realities Conference as well a little bit, too, and our experiences with that and just what's been going on with us and hopefully see what's going on with the future. 
since we had Dr. Future on, where we'll live the rest of our lives. But uh, guys, you can find us at conspiranormal.com. You can find us anywhere, podcasts, if you are just now listening to this. So you, and we also have the YouTube channel as well, so give, give us a subscription to that too. And we also have Patreon, which we have been really bad about putting any new Patreon episodes up. Sorry, guys. We had a lot going on. And yeah, we do. So please... Uh, but uh, Serviel can tell us to tell you where to find that. Well, even though you don't get weekly content all the time, but we are going to start doing that again. Um, you can join a few secret societies for yourself at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. All right, guys, I want to thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon on Conspiranormal. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.